0: Section 11 of The Bookman, March 1921, by Various. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Burrard. The Bookman, March 1921, by Various. Section 11. A Talk with Charles Dickens' Office Boy, by Catherine Van Dyke muffins muffins hot muffins crumpets ho crumpets ho who'll buy my crumpets ho with many a twist and quaver the muffin man gurgled the merits of his wares and emphasized his cry with a bell whose vigorous ring made the great tray balanced on his head fairly teeter yet owing to some by-law of gravity especially made for london criers the tray maintained its balance as if muffins and all it were a pursuit appendage of the muffin man himself the whole of fetter lane rang with his cry the quaint alley of old london where i had come to see mr edrupt former office boy of charles dickens was filled with tea-time folk hobbling or toddling in all the seven ages of man and goodness knows how many of women heads were muffled in shawls the air was cold despite the warm look of the yellow fog that wrapped the alley in a sort of pea soup twilight in which its inhabitants wandered dimly after the muffin man like a crowd of merry ghosts pennies rang on the big tray and with crumpet or muffin secured the alley mates scurried back to the various niches that only a cat or a londoner could call home from each opening door gap came the chirp of a kettle a merry high diddle diddle kettle the fairy of the english heart come in madam pray come in pressed mr edra after i passed under the low medieval arch that led to the little house whose ground floor made his parlour bedroom william edra stood up to the dignity of his eighty years his back slightly rounded like that of the Windsor chair he offered me, while his eye twinkled steadily. His own kettle on the hob was of an operatic turn. I took the long two-pronged fork and held my crumpet close to the red embers while Mr. Edrupt set about making tea in the glazed pot according to the recipe, so stiff the spoon could stand upright. His little room held all the treasures of eighty years of small comforts Today his record is almost unique here is an office boy who didn't want to be boss and who didn't turn out a millionaire he remained content as an office boy until almost middle age when he became a gate man of the temple i looked down at his boots and thought i had seen none blacker nor better shined in all london the gleam of the boots led my eye to a polished copper penny with a hole through its metal, guarding a place of honour on the centre of the mantel. Mr. Edrupt smiled. My master, Mr. Dickens, gave it to me the first year I was his office boy. I was just a small lad, about eight years, as I remember, when he picked me out of the lot who applied for the job. My mother took me to him, not because she was a reading body, and knew mr dickens books she had thirteen children and never read a line but because boys had to go to work early in those days and she had heard mr dickens was a good master i remember quite plainly my mother looking down at me and saying william is a good boy sir mr dickens looked hard at me and laughed i am almost afraid of good boys he said but i think william is not as bad as all that I grew up in the office, running his errands to printers, carrying his packages. He was always sending off something to somebody. Sometimes I was sent out to fetch ices, of which he ate considerable, though he ate very lightly of everything else. Sometimes, when he had ridden hours without stopping, he would suddenly jump up and bid me go out to the street with him, and then we would walk and walk. I'd stand it as long as I could then i'd tell him my legs ached and we would come right home and have cake i think mr dickens was a man who lived a lot by his nose he seemed to be always smelling things when we walked down by the thames he would sniff and sniff i love the very smell of this he used to say now i am not a reading man myself mr edrupt warmed my tea with a fresh bit but i think mr dickens liked my not being one have you read anything of mine yet william my boy he used to ask me no sir i'd answer and he would slap me on the back and laugh every time one day he asked me william do you know what a Jimmy is yes sir i answered proudly they say you are one mr dickens threw back his head and laughed and laughed and then rushed out to tell a friend i did not know till long after that what i had heard people call him was a genius and not a jenny now about that penny mr Edrup's eye met mine and he went back to his story for his mind was almost too richly full of memories to dwell long on one i went to mr dickens first at the office of all the year round in wellington street he had a bedroom fitted up there and used sometimes to spend the night when he lectured or took part in theatricals he did that often but i don't think he ever spent a night away from home when he could help it for no man loved his home better when mr dickens wrote mrs lirriper's lodgings three hundred thousand copies were sold in the magazine a great sale in those days the street in front of the office was crowded with folks wanting to know the end of the story there were big posters up all over the town and i was fairly bursting with pride for i knew how hard mr dickens worked at it i loved all his successes though i don't think he cared anything about them so long as his work was done sometimes he would scarcely eat or sleep when beginning a new book but when the pages covered with writing began to pile up i knew that pretty soon he would ease off considerably sometimes after mr dickens had written for hours i would give him a bucket of cold water and he would put his head into it and sometimes his hands then he would dry his head with a towel and go on writing well folks everywhere were betting considerably on the end of mrs lyriker's lodgings it came out at Christmas time. One real sharp man tried to have me get Mr. Dickens to tell the end of the story. He intended to sell out the news and make bets on it. I asked Mr. Dickens again, and he, knowing I had never read the story, questioned me until I told him the man had offered me sixpence to try and find out what was going to happen. Mr. Dickens, the old man continued, gave me three shillings a week. And every time my ma had a new baby, which was often, he advanced me a shilling, but having to give it home, I could only keep two pence a week for myself. My master knew this, and that the sixpence the man offered to me for telling the end of the story meant a lot to me. But when I told him the man wanted to sell out the happenings to others, he said, Come here, William boy, and he took me on his knee i'll give you sixpence now for yourself and i'll give you this penny with a hole in it if you promise me to keep it for good and ever but you tell that scoundrel that i say the end of the story is this they all die sooner or later mr dickens looks in answer to my question he was one of the best dressed men you could ever see downright stylish everything he had was always of the very best and he took the greatest care of his things, in every way. I never saw a spot on anything, his clothes or his desk. I used to think his gloves beautiful as any lady's. I used to tidy up his desk, but it was always tidier before I touched it, I think. His notes and books and papers were always left just right. He wrote with a quill. I was not allowed to sharpen it. I never saw Mr. Dickens angry, with anyone who dealt fair with others though he could get in a terrible rage over anyone who did a mean thing he could remember everything in a really wonderful way sometimes gentlemen would tell me addresses to bring horses to and i would forget them but even if it were a week after mr dickens heard them in the office he could name the street and number he was also very prompt never a moment late in anything and when i was late i got scolded for it oh yes of course i saw lots of riders coming and going out of the office and oftentimes i went to their homes but mr Edrupt paused i never took any notice of them once i was carrying mr dickens's bag to the station when he was going to his home in kent and another boy said to me who are those two men looking in the front of that shop window the one in the check trousers velvet coat and soft hat is the premier mr disraeli i told him the other is my master they were both laughing at a cartoon of dizzy as we called him with his head stuck on a broomstick mr dickens family often came to the office i remember mrs dickens well she was very stout and could hardly get her crinoline through the door my master loved his children he loved all children but his own fair adored he would stop work and turn right round and spend his whole afternoon with them sometimes he'd take me and we'd all go on and outing. many people ask if mr dickens was a great eater as they say he always put such a lot of things in his books about eating all sorts of feasts and good dinners they tell me he wasn't but a light-eater himself outside the small room i stepped into the strand the fog had cleared somewhat of its yellow-gray and i could not but imagine how dickens might have portrayed the london of to-day its abrupt contrast against the dimness of the medieval before me was the black-timbered ye cheshire Cheese where samuel johnson the shadowing boswell and his friends sucked on lark's pie and wit when times were good and as poor goldsmith might have vouched on just wit when times weren't dickens too and his cronies had their evenings here and most who have trod fleet street know its heart and fare to my right gleamed the shop brilliant with the electric footwarmers in the middle of the strand roaring with its evening traffic the church of st clements dane stood islanded reminder of the days when london was the centre of denmark dim set above it the london paris air express was concluding its daily trip around me were the streets with names dickens must have loved maple alley glasshouse alley hanging sword alley each held its magic a motor lorry stood before the building where once rose the magpie and stump to which the laundress directed mr Pickwick in his search for one perker's clerk motor scooters scooted autos honked little mills crept shyly past and little dorits their shawls drawn over their heads david copperfields aglow with romance sauntered from the great newspaper offices that towered here in the medley was that oliver twist far over in the dimness of the bridge arching the thames with an old thick man scurrying after him yet in all this background so reminiscent of charles dickens nothing gave such a vivid glow to his memory as did william who doesn't yet quite understand why all the rest of the world is interested in his master's books End of section 11.